This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vores. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton. And I am joined, as I hope I always will be, by the absolutely wonderful Jackie Vores. Jackie how are you this fine Friday morning again? We're back here in the morning, nice and early. There is a reason for that, listeners, which we will get onto. We have a fantastic guest joining us this week, which I'm really excited about. But Jackie, how are you this fine Friday morning? Well, it's a morning of gratitude because I had a really nice light sleep last night. And my gorgeous partner, James, decided that he would walk the dog this morning, as he has been recently, because I haven't been sleeping very well. And uh, I did something really out of character yesterday. I closed my eyes and I didn't wake up. I fell asleep and I didn't wake up. So um, I missed a couple of meetings. <laughs> just, and I got these messages from Daph going, are you okay? Where are you? What are yeah. you doing? This is unlike you. Is everything okay? Is, yeah, cool. is something happened? <laughs> yeah, I'm no, fine. no, everything is fine. I just, I just <laughs> needed some sleep. Obviously the body, the body took over, the body spoke. It's really interesting, right? Because I've had an experience of this quite recently where just going hell for leather doing you know the umpteen things I do as, as ever and then I think it was Monday afternoon yeah I was the same it was just like inexplicably my body went hang on a minute Lyle see you later we're, we're just gonna put our head down here now and then I was and that was me for two hours and I felt really bad about it afterwards I was like no <laughs> yeah. no why how has this happened but yeah no, hey the body needs rest and I'm glad you got rest and I'm sure Daph did some firefighting and had you covered for whatever else it was from Seattle oh right brilliant <laughs> oh, yeah. At PG Connect, which is actually the connection that I have with Sophia. Brilliant. Seg- you're l- you like I'm, a segue, I'm, don't you? could not be more proud of you, Jackie. These segues, <laughs> honestly, we are now more than 40 episodes in, listeners, which is, you know, a feat in and of itself. I'm absolutely delighted that we have our guest on this week. And we are delighted to introduce and really excited to introduce this guest, listeners, because this week we are joined by the absolutely brilliant Sophia Aubrey Drake. Now, I said this to Sophia and I embarrassed her slightly before we went live, right? I said this to Sophia, that I was going to have to check my notes before introducing Sophia, because just do so much. You just do so much, Sophia, honestly. I can't even get to it. You just do so much. So, (laughs) Sophia, here we go, listeners, strapping. Sophia is a freelance video game writer, an indie game publishing scout, developer relations manager and evangelist at Steel Media, public speaker, event manager, host, scout, Everything in between, like you name it, Sophia is doing it. I imagine, Sophia, that if you fall asleep for two hours on mistake, <laughs> things really do fall apart. I mean, how are you? Welcome, Sophia. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you. podcast. How are you this Friday? I'm good. I'm good. It's a, it's a rainy day here. We'll talk about where I am uh, later on, I'm sure. But uh, it's a rainy day here. But no, I, I'm good. Yeah, it's funny. Like you say, I managed to find rest in the middle of... Well, I want to say chaos, but it's not chaos because, you know, as we all know, when you do so many things, you have to learn to create your own order in life and create your own relaxation time. I struggle with that a little bit, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm slowly getting there. But, yeah, I'm very good. This is part of my relaxing being on here. It's lovely. We love to hear that. We absolutely love to hear. We we hope it is relaxing. You know, we tried. I mean, somewhat chaotic start, given that I spilled coffee over myself just before we went live, which listeners, you won't have seen. And I'm glad you haven't seen that. And also, obviously, we're falling asleep left, right and centre, Jackie and I. But I'm glad it's relaxing. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) Sophia, it really is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us this week. 
as we do with all of our guests, a question I like to kind of ask to begin with, but I'm going to sort of slightly alter it, given that you're on the podcast with us, is I tend to ask guests, oh, you know, tell us a little bit about your career so far, your career journey, your career trajectory. But tell us just a little bit about yourself as well, if, if you wouldn't mind, as, as much as you feel comfortable, like your career, you know, so far, obviously, but your, you know, life experience is something that we're, Jackie and I are both really, really interested in sort of exploring in a big, big way. So in as much detail as you feel comfortable with, Sophia, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, sure. really? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, yeah, my name's uh, Sophia Robbie Drake. I'm, I'm Welsh. I'm from Wales, British Welsh, you know, whichever way you want to fill it in. Yeah, very proud of that. I come from quite into the North Wales countryside, to be honest, a little, it is a city, the lovely city of St. Asaph with only 3,000 people. <laughs> so wow. I, I grew, yeah, we, uh, we're the second smallest city in the country. Yeah. And so I, I grew up in the countryside and gaming was always my life. I mean, I'm sure to anyone watching this rather than just listening, you can see quite a lot of Pokemon paraphernalia <laughs> around. Um, I, you know, gaming was always the thing I loved and Pokemon especially and and Pokemon led me kind of where we'll get to to where I am here but yeah I, I grew up loving games went to university and studied psychology and criminology but actually ended up after that working in games retail for a bit but then going to Japan to a city that I consider my second home called Kanazawa to teach English, uh, which I know some people do. And it was it was an amazing experience. I promise you this is a bit of a tangent, but it's going somewhere. Is <laughs> I then returned and did a master's in Japanese studies at Sheffield University. This is a real, the crib notes version. And as part of that, my thesis was on Nintendo and Japan's video game industry, specifically specializations in like how important Nintendo was to the industry and what impact you know, games like Pokemon, uh, Zelda, Mario had. And through that research, I ended up getting approached to interview at Chilingo after I'd graduated, which is uh, which was at that point had, had been bought by EA. And um, that was really how I got started in the industry. It all sort of went from there. There's been quite a few bumps in the road, as I think there is for a lot of people who work in this industry. It's 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 a lot of fun, but it's not easy. So there's been a few bumps in the road, you know, sometimes where I've had to knuckle down and do maybe some other things while I'm, you know, getting experience. And equally, I returned to Japan midway through that time to carry on with my my Japanese language studies. So yeah, and that this is more the professional bit, but that that then slowly led to me gaining more experience. I worked for EA as part as a business development manager, growing the 100% indie initiative. That's really where my start with indie games begins. To anyone who knows me, my specialization is working with indie developers. That's what I've done throughout my whole career, helping whether it be mentoring, giving them opportunities, showcasing their work, finding indie games for publishers. That's where it really starts. But after that, I also helped set up the National Video Game Museum that at the time was in Nottingham and has now shifted to Sheffield. And yeah, I've also worked, I worked for Bundle Stars that are now Fanatical as their PR and partnerships manager. So a bit of a link to uh, the rest is PR. And after that was when I started at Steel Media, which is where the, the you know, what I do now the real short version, one of many, many things. I mean, in the meantime of that, I wrote for Bitmap Books for their Super Famicom book. I did some writing for Play Magazine. You know, back in the days before the internet was the only place to read your uh, gaming news. I still love my print. But yeah, and then, um, you know, amongst all that, I found the role at Steel Media where I sort of, amongst a range of things, such as presenting and hosting, I run the Big Indie Pitch, which is a program competition for indie developers to showcase and promote their games. I mean, you know, that's the super crib notes version. And that only really touches upon 
kind of half of my story. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, your your career path has been phenomenal. Unbelievable. Like journey through the games industry and also that sort of step out into Japan as well, sort of moving from Wales to Japan. I mean, yeah. I have a really good friend of mine who I was at university with, a lady called Sue Jones, who's a writer, an author, and she actually lectures at Royal Holloway now as an author. And she discovered her love of Japan through the same route. She went out to teach English in Japan and now she's a really well-acclaimed author. One of her books, The Earthquake Bird, became a big film on on Netflix. And, you know, it's something that I see people go out when they go to Japan and they live in Japan and they absorb Japan. They just get completely entranced by the place. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, still sticking on that element rather than going down my personal side, which I'm sure we'll do in a bit, but is... Um... I mean, that's where I am right here, right now. I'm I'm in Kyoto. This is where I am at the moment. So I started studying Japanese. That's what I'm doing here, along with obviously my work and stuff, is I'm studying Japanese. Basically, I started studying Japanese, well, much like most things come back to Pokemon for me. I didn't really want to wait the two years that we had to wait for Diamond and Pearl back when I was in university. So I decided to So on to board with my... that, by the way. I'm so on board. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I was in the was same like, boat. Yeah, I was was in the same boat as you. I'm not waiting. So I imported it and I learned the the first two scripts, hiragana and katakana. So those who don't know, Japanese has three writing scripts. It has hiragana, which is the simple sort of symbols that are used for local words of Japanese origin. You have katakana, which is what our names would be spelled and they're used for foreign or made up words. And then you have what everyone thinks of the complicated symbols, kanji. There's thousands of them that look more like Chinese because that's where they originally come from. But I learned the two simple ones, which obviously doesn't mean you can read or write Japanese to understand the story. But what I could read and write now was the Pokemon's names and their moves, which often originate from English. So I could make my way through the game. And, you know, I started doing that. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I want to go to Japan, which I think shocked everyone because, I mean, I I came from North Wales. I went to university in Chester. It's a 40-minute drive away. I I didn't really go very far. (laughs) And then I jumped to Japan. And, you know, I'm here now because... Well, I suppose that's a good segue into it is, you know, I went from that small life to traveling the world for work. I mean, one thing we didn't touch on in the professional side of things is that everything I've done has been on a global scale. You know, we've hosted the Big Indie Pitch in, I think it's more than 20 different countries. And I've been a host in multiple countries. I was part of the keynote 2019 panel for Tokyo Game Show. I keynoted the Korean Games Conference you know, we've done the big indie pitch at GDC, at E3, at Games. So this has all been done quite global for someone who, uh, you know, didn't go far from home for university. But yeah, I'm back here to basically finish what I started with Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. And I just wanted to, you know, get it. The pandemic, I think for a lot of people, made everyone reevaluate everything. And for me, I just thought, you know, I'm lucky enough with my, my work afforded me, you know, a lot of opportunities to travel, to do all that but also to have that flexibility. And with what happened during the pandemic, I was like, I feel like if I don't do this now, I won't do it. And this is something that I've spent over 10 years doing. And I think that feeds a lot into my professional side. I'm the kind of person that once I commit to something, I'm going to do it. You're going to get 100% out of me. And, you know, I'm either zero or 100, as in... If I'm not into it, I, I'll just say, that's okay. Someone else can do that. Uh, but if I say I'm going to do it, you're going to get like obsessive levels of commitment out which, of it. Is, which is brilliant. And I think there's something so pertinent as well. I'm just really captured by this idea that 
the diamond and pearl, the determination to just get your hands on it as quickly as you could, which I was in the same boat, by the way. I think I ended up picking up a copy of, I think I got diamond. My brother got pearl. pearl. Yeah, and pearl. Yeah, we, we found a way. My dad yeah, was able to was buy both. That's it, yeah. And But like in an brother, airport somewhere. Yeah, in an airport somewhere on the way out to holidays. We got it ever so slightly earlier than other people in, in the English language version. But like even joking aside, like a determination to get your hands on that so early has then just driven such a huge part of your professional life. And it's like a really pertinent yeah. point, I think, which is that you loved it, you know, even before you knew that was something that, you know, you were potentially keen on professionally. And then you followed that, you know, you've, you've kind of followed that route right the way down to its conclusion. Do you see what I mean? That's like, yeah, that's a lesson I mean, for everybody, I think, surely. Definitely. I, I think part of it as well is the idea that dreams can actually be achieved. Like when I grew up, gaming was everything to me. It was everything. It was my escape when I was sad. It was my way to express my authentic self. It was a place to be creative and to experience new things. That's not to say I didn't have the happy other life. I did, but but gaming was everything to me. But when I was younger, I thought it was a bit like saying I wanted to work in games. In my head, honestly, it was a bit like saying, you know, when you hear kids say, I want to be a professional footballer. I want to be a yeah. movie star. That's what gaming was to me. It was like, Oh, I can say that, but that's not reality. That's not what what happens in real life. And I honestly think, you know, and anyone who knows me knows I play down a lot of my things. I, you know, sometimes I can be told I have low, you know, self-esteem and things like that. But I think, you know, not to do away my achievements, but I think in my case, it's maybe a little bit of a lesson in passion. You know, it's just, yeah. I, it's just meant everything to me, you know, games, Pokemon, you know, and then from there they become like a genesis to grow to travel the world to experience new cultures to learn new languages to meet new people to you know do things that you never thought you'd do you know See, um, I've, I've known you for a long time Sophia yeah and one thing I think that you really do embody is you have a dream and you make it happen and, you know, you're incredibly passionate about the games industry, but you're also incredibly passionate about your journey and everything else you've done. And you, you said just a little while ago, you know, when you're committed, when you're in, you're 100% in. And, you know, there's pretty much nothing that can stop you. And you're very brave. You're one of the bravest people I, I have come across that I've met. And one thing we haven't talked about is your personal journey. Yes. And I think that this is a good time to sort of bring that in because... Oh. Playing games for you, and I've obviously read a lot of the stuff that you've written, because one of the things you haven't said, which I will say, is that you're an incredibly good writer. Oh, and when you, you. when you write, you do express yourself incredibly well. And, you know, I've read stuff that you've written and stuff that's been written about you. And your personal journey transitioning to a woman, which you've always felt you have been and you are, was kind of like almost sort of made possible for you in a way by the way you played games earlier on. Is that about a, a good way of putting it? Because you kind of yeah. were able to be who you wanted to be when you were in those games and when you were creating your avatars or whatever, you know, the, the characters that you were playing. Yeah. And I think if people are watching this, they'd be really genuinely surprised that I'm actually talking about, you know, the fact that you are transgender and you do talk about it and you're really open about it. But, yeah. you know, to all of us, you are Sophia. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, not to 
take up too much time. But, you know, I always say growing up, and I think this is not a because in a in a blame game way. It's nothing to do with that. It's just circumstance. Growing up in rural countryside, I wasn't exposed to a lot of LGBTQ stuff, not through anything other than, you know, only 3,000 people lived in the village. You know, it's, you know, and those sorts of things, That that's, that's the innocent part. Then maybe the other part is those sorts of things weren't on television in the early 90s. You know, those sorts of gay relationships, transgender gender identities they were kind of mocked a bit weren't they yeah yeah i mean and so i grew up the way i would call it i always used to say that you know if i was ever write a biography about this i would title it these early days confused like i grew up very very confused i knew that i was different but i didn't quite fully understand why or how these sorts of like games you know especially I'm thinking the likes of Bioware's games like Mass Effect or Knights of the Old Republic, where you can you have quite a free form control or actually even more than that. Something a lot of people don't know about me is I'm a big wrestling fan. Now, the wrestling games, especially the Smackdown and now 2K games are famous for their creation, you know, suites. Those sorts of things really allowed me to explore those. But I wouldn't necessarily say. I could put a pin on it. I didn't understand. I didn't really understand what being transgender was. I just thought this was my lot in life. I'm just a bit different from everyone else. And maybe, I I don't know. I don't know. But I did also live in a lot of fear, a lot of it self-created, maybe a lot of it reinforced by society that if I came out and expressed how I felt, that I didn't feel right in my body, that I didn't want to wear these clothes, I didn't feel comfortable in these sorts of environments for example like you know lads at the pub that sort of thing that I would lose everyone and at first that would be my family and my friends Um, and later that grew to being you know well I had this industry in games that meant so much to me but I would lose this as well so I sort of just carried on now anyone who's known me for a long time like like you Jackie will will know People will have known that I worked in the industry before my transition. I transitioned in the industry mid-career, which is, given that a huge chunk of my role is as a presenter and host, it it was challenging, you know, to come out and, and do that. And, you know, and there was a lot of things where I'd... You know, I think I grew to realize, well, actually, I, I I don't mind sharing this story. I share it with everyone. The moment I realized I, that what it was I felt was that I was transgender was when I was in San Francisco for, it was VRDC. So that'll tell you a lot yeah. about uh, how long ago it was. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I was there and it was a transgender series of interviews on the BBC. And I read one and I was like, ah, that's, that's me. And then I read two and then the third and I somewhat had a bit of a breakdown where I was like, oh, God. Well, you know, for a variety of reasons, it took me a while to fully come out as, you know, some in my control, some very much not in my control. But when I did, like you say, it's I think it's it, it does a disservice to compare it to my commitment to like my work. It's not the same thing that, you know, like one is like my passion. This is innate. It's just who I am. But the way I came out in the industry, I suppose I tapped into a lot of that, a lot of those traits that cross-pollinate with passion, which was I didn't have it in me to come out 100, 200, 300, 400 times. And anyone who sees me on stage will think I'm very extroverted. But if you know me personally, I'm very introverted. Until you get to know me, then you can't shut me up. But I sort of, when I'm on stage, it's like, I must be what, professional sports people feel when they're on stage it's like tapping into something 
And I decided I, I was just going to come out on stage uh, at the main stage of Pocket Gamer Connects Helsinki. So we did the big indie pitch and then I came on stage Whoa. at Helsinki to about 400 people. And I just, I always remember, I just was like, yeah, so this is who I am. This is me. That's incredible. But it's not, and then I sort of just passed it on. I was like, but it's not really about me. It's about the indie. So let's get on with announcing the winners of this amazing big indie pitch. And that was it. And then I didn't have to do it nine million times now i get that that's something only very certain people can do and i also appreciate that not many people want to have that conversation you know some people don't want or need to have that conversation i mean i did for two reasons one i'm not ashamed of who i am and i don't want to hide it but equally i couldn't i couldn't it was impossible i was fairly well known in the industry my face was plastered all over the internet from writing articles and hosting big indie pictures so um no, I didn't really have that opportunity. But yeah, it was it was big. And, you know, it's easy to focus on all the positives and I will talk about them. But I, I think just to any trans people listening who have come out or maybe haven't, I think it is important to touch on that it was hard. Yeah. Things were hard. I'm not going to say I had a miserable life or anything like that. I, I didn't. You know, my family are amazing you know, and I couldn't have done this without their support. And equally, the industry was amazing to me. But the battles I had to go through in my own head, the sort of unpicking a fake life that I had tried to create to sort of put a fake image at the world of like, oh, no, this is me because I'm too scared that you'll work out who the real me is. So, you know, if I I used to call them my chameleon traits, you know, uh, things like when I was in school, you'd be amazed at the wealth of. Well, even now, you'd be amazed at the wealth of early 2000s football knowledge that I have locked in here <laughs> because that got that got me through the chats in the pub. You know, you'd, you'd be amazed, like a lot of these junky bits of information that I call my chameleon traits, or at least I used to. I don't need to do them anymore, where it was like, I, it was like studying. It was like passion. I suppose in yeah. anything, it was me giving 100% to the fact that I was scared that people would work out who I am. So I researched things that I felt I needed to know like mad to fit in. But what's the best thing in the world is, and my family and friends say, is the moment I came out, not only could you see that it was the real me and you could see that I was happy and more confident, it allowed my career to flourish more. A lot of those achievements I mentioned, like, you know, being on the main stage at Tokyo Game Show, these things were done during and after transition. You know, I get to be my authentic self, but also I was able to sort of reconnect myself with the things that I once loved. So what I would say is through my transition, I was able to let go of the bits I didn't want, the bits I didn't like, but I was also able to bring along with me the bits I do love about me. The fact that I like wrestling. So what? I like, you know, my Pokemon. So what? You know, it's, I think that was important and that definitely played a role in my career as well the idea that I can now be more confident in who I am what I'm good at and also what I want to do both for me and what I want to give back to the industry and to the people in it whether they be LGBTQ or whether they just be indie developers looking for a break I mean one of the things I do is um, mentoring for transfuse it's arguably the most rewarding thing I do year on year and, and that giving back, I've also done panels for companies to help with their LGBTQ awareness, such as Project Den and uh, Square Enix. I did some internal meets yeah. for them. I did a lot of work with Gaming Magazine, you know, doing panels and, and Yuki. I sort of, I've done a lot of stuff with Yuki, but I also did a, a, appeared on a few panels with them. So the point is, 
it allowed me to be much more confident in who I am and maybe try and help those people who are struggling. Because I suppose the last thing I'll say on this before we can move on, but is that, you know, I've gone through a lot of battles in my head. Things have been very tough. There's been some very dark times where, you know, I would say that certain things like gaming and Pokemon helped me. They took me away from that, those dark places and allowed me to go to happier places whilst I, you know, found the courage to be me. But I also know that the people I surrounded myself with prior to my transition helped me when I transitioned because I'd surrounded myself with positive people that were nothing but supportive. And even when, you know, mid-transition, things have been said, whether they be at conferences or whether they be on the streets, I've had a safe group of people around me that have defended me, that have been able to support me through good and bad times, through, you know, the the euphoria and through the, you know, the, the, the really dark times or when something's gone wrong you know or when i'm just feeling self-conscious you know a lot of trans people will have these things about themselves that no one else sees but you do and so you know or even when i've been recovering from surgeries or something you know i've had this positive group of people but i know a lot of people aren't that lucky you know i worked at home that's quite a safe place when you're mid-transition and you've you know been doing maybe things like laser hair treatment and your face is bright red like a clown or something. <laughs> you know, in my case, I'm not saying other people like me. Yeah. Um, I've also no doubt that that wasn't then. that was not the case. I've also no doubt it was not clown like. Also, you know, these, these are extraordinary things. I mean, I'm just going to go on to sort of like sort of jovial sort of. Yeah. There are so many watchwords that I am absolutely loving already about this podcast. Notably, SmackDown. Just delighted. <laughs> Pokemon, obviously. Knights of the Old Republic is an absolutely stellar reference. Like that game is folklore level brilliant. Um, and also early to late 2000s football knowledge, which I won't quiz you on because I'm a massive uh, fan. And uh, Jackie will just have a go at me. Um, but like, I mean, I'm an actor myself when I'm not hosting the podcast and doing some writing and things like that. And something when I audition for drama school and whenever I've auditioned for plays and things as well is alternative things like. I say alternative things like other mediums like theatre, like film, like TV, like games. A word I often associate with those things is escapism. You know, when, mm. the, the idea that you can kind of take yourself to a place that you're you're really comfortable with. And Jackie touched upon it earlier. And we've spoken to people about the metaverse in the past and how actually it's really doing a huge amount for people's mental health. Like people who are in some really sort of dark places in their life can find escapism in the metaverse there's not even really a question in this point actually i think it's just like really incredible that you know and and it's a great message to people going through a similar experience to to the ones you've been through that you you can find comfort and escapism in things you love you know i mean you can find you know like kind of that that place of solace and that place of of comfort and relaxation in in things that you're really passionate about but moving on from kind of the the escapism element you talked about sort of the positives and the negatives since since you transitioned i mean what have been the challenges professionally i mean again classic me something massive slipped through the net research wise insofar as you did it on stage which i'm just finding absolutely extraordinary and i think it's just the best thing ever i did know about that anybody who's worked in i wasn't at that particular one in helsinki but i knew to fear before and so i was so delighted oh i'm blown Uh, away and the nice thing is that as as sophia said there's a good and bad in this industry in the sense that it's such it is a close-knit industry and it is actually smaller for such a huge industry it's actually smaller than you think and so you know that's that could be a good thing and that can be a bad thing and and the good thing is when you have all these people behind you and really supporting you you know you you do feel very 
very safe. And I do think that the games industry is really supportive and is trying yeah. to be much more supportive of LB. I can never say it. Sorry. It's not that I don't know it. I just can never say it. <laughs> very, very supportive of diversity of, of all levels. But it is in the stuff that I read, Sophia, about you, there's this sort of, and you've said it in your, yourself a few times in, in this pod, this dysphoria and the triggers for that. And I think, you know, sometimes almost, you know, it, it never goes away, does it? No, it's it's something that gets easy. I mean, for example, the way I best describe it is before I transitioned, I thought about gender every single day, mm. every day, multiple times. And so those triggers would be there all the time. Now, I don't think about gender as much as I once did. It's just mm. I'm just me. And those triggers become less and less as I think you become more comfortable with who you are. So, you know, I'll still have moments, like you say, they never go away, but they become less, they reduce, you know, and they become easier. And, you know, and on what you were saying before, and I think a big part of that is even if it's just an internal like security blanket, I think, as you say, the industry has a wealth of problems, but it's also kind of actively trying to fix them. There is levels of toxicity. There is, you know, glass ceilings in the industry and a lot of you know, elements like that. But it's also a very supportive industry. And and I think the best bit of advice I would give, which is much easier said than done, but is if you can surround yourself with the right people, mm. then it can take you quite far. And it can also be that security net. Otherwise, I mean, take away the games, take away the industry that we're in. If I was giving advice to someone who is, you know, struggling with something, especially if it's, you know, transgender or or whether the, if they're transgender or if they're, you know, maybe wanting to come out uh, in terms of their sexuality as well. It would be surround yourself with positive people because they'll help you feel more comfortable and confident. They'll It won't get rid of those triggers, but it'll help with those triggers because even if you're having the trigger, you're not worried. You're only now worried about yourself, not what other people are thinking. Because you know those people are good. You know those people yeah. are fine. So I, I would say definitely that's part of it. It doesn't go away, but it, it definitely gets better. I mean, in terms of that, in terms of who I am, me, I've never been happier. You know, um, there's a lot of things I'd like to change, but those things <laughs> have absolutely nothing to do with me in terms of who I am, my gender, my personality, my, I don't know, my hobbies, you know, like I said, there's always things we we wish we could fix, you know, about even about maybe our personalities. For example, I'm always anxious. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be less anxious and more confident. But, you know, professionally, there's a lot of things I'd love to change. But for a positive, I don't mean that because yeah. of misery. I mean, but, you know, I think it's about surrounding yourself with the right people and also, just, you know, learning to to navigate a lot of these things in the best way you can. And a lot of that comes through support networks. And a lot of that comes from finding what makes you feel comfortable, you know. And as I always say, everyone's journey is different. I mean, to anyone who knows, you can Google it. I'm more than happy. I had some facial surgery done. There's, I did an interview with The Guardian that can be found online, the, the UK newspaper, Guardian. And in that, I explicitly say, you know, there isn't a one rule fits all. There's no rule book to any of this, to life, but especially to to being transgender or even necessarily to working in games. You know, it's what works for you. You know, certain things worked for me that may not have worked for others, but they were definitely the best thing for me. And yeah. I think that applies to to other people as well. Like, you know, even if it's like you let's just 
give an example. Let's say you've got this absolutely, this job that everyone else thinks is amazing, but you're not happy. Yeah. Make a change. Don't worry about that. Make the change for yeah. you. Such because it's such good advice. One thing you've just touched on there, which I did want to talk to you about, because obviously the, the pod is called The Rest is PR. And I love the fact that it's called The Rest is PR because I'd like to talk about lots of other things as well as PR. So We're the rest increasingly is not talking about PR that <laughs> often, which I'm, loving, which I'm loving. Which I'm loving. I good think it's thing, great. But yeah. we do always touch a little bit on the yeah. media because yeah. I think the media, certainly reading that article in The Guardian, they reference things like Chandler's father and other kind of like um when you're growing up those were the kind of the media examples yeah caitlin jenner's done quite a lot within the whole from a famous level and you're famous in our industry so i feel like you've done a lot in our industry to you know to put this center stage and really bring a reality to it but you know how do you feel the media has has it evolved is it changing and is it something that you know you want to kind of keep putting those positive messages out through yeah i mean this is so this is a very tough one it's a very tough one because i think if we're talking about sort of creative mediums i think there's a lot of improvements going on there there's a lot of things you just look at like tell me why which features a trans lead you know you have games like just to reference bioware again you know mass effect mm -hmm. same-sex relationships and also these things are becoming more normal i mean we have hbo's the last of us based obviously on the game and yeah. ellie is you know famously in a same-sex relationship within the games you know so i think there's a lot of work positive work being done on screen in terms of that i think there's still work to be done behind the screen in terms of the voices that are being able to create those stories that go out. I think there's a lot of work needs to still be done there to make sure that there's a good breadth of voices creating these stories. But to stick to the question at hand, I think that's been really good. Now, on the other hand, if we're talking about trans representation from a mass media political standpoint of view, uh, it's never been worse, in my opinion, trans representation. I feel like yeah. we are in an era that is akin to the, you know, the AIDS scare of the 90s where it's just demonizing and you know political plays for absolutely no gain it's just a culture war where trans people make up such a tiny percentage of the population that unless we have cisgender people supporting us there's absolutely no way that people like us people like me could fight against this apart from the way i feel is the best way to fight against this and i know you need different approaches. I think the protests are absolutely necessary. I think calling this out is absolutely necessary. I also think just showing people that I'm a normal person who has yeah. normal hobbies and weird hobbies, you yeah. know, and I do things like speak other languages and I have friends from all around the world and I enjoy sitting watching Netflix in my pajamas on a Saturday night. I, I think that's important too because it's just showing like, who do you think I am? Just a normal person <laughs> living a normal life, doing yeah. normal work. Maybe not normal work. I mean, games is kind of cool. But, you know, yeah. my point is, <laughs> I, I know you guys have done a lot of work to boost me up, but I like to say this because I think it's important. I'm nothing special. I'm just a person. Well, I'm... come on now. No, but I think you're making like a really excellent point, which is like, it's like, I don't want to sound like overly kind of, it's altruistic even the word, but like, you know, my wife and I talk a lot about this because, um, you know, we both work in the you know, theatre industry. We're both performers and, and LGBTQ plus like representation in theatre is very healthy. But again, there's still lots of work to be done. And we work with people from that community. And it just breaks my heart that like, you know, 
there's, I mean, we talked about stigma in all sorts of different areas when we discussed the pod, stigma around incomparable things like AI, the stigma surrounding AI, the stigma surrounding X, Y, and Z. But yeah, it breaks my heart that, you know, like we're we're chatting to you now and, you know, I've already kind of labored the wrong word, but I've already spoken about the facts that you're bringing up SmackDown, you're bringing up, you know, Mass Effect, you're bringing up like, yeah, these are, these are things that just like you and I can just connect over regardless of your background and your experiences. You're, you're just, you're a person at the other end of a, albeit a Zoom call all the way over in Japan, which is extraordinary <laughs> in itself. Um, and, you know, that's a conversation for another time, you know, sort of, you know, how we're able to do this digitally. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I think you're right. It's, it's quite scary in a way, actually, that as things evolve and progress in terms of how we're able to, you know, how people are able to transition, you know, how how far you, you can now go, like, you know, the, the medical advancements, the scientific advancements, as these become more and more like kind of prominent within our life and globally, our perspectives seem to go backwards. Like, sure, how, how, I don't know, that just seems very weird. It's it just, just worries me, you know, and I think something you were touching upon there, Sophia, is that, you know, this is when we talk about the media being incredibly influential and influencing people's perceptions. And what worries me at the moment is it's all polarised around sports and transgender competitiveness, uh, people be able to compete in gender categories. And, and it makes for a really negative debate. Yeah. And that annoys me. No, I can say it's my podcast. It pisses yeah. me off. And, you know, and because and, it's just so just deep, it's just so linear, this one debate, but it seems to gather all of the industry, all the media attention. And it's just a really very small part of a much bigger issue this is part of why i did the interview with the guardian part of it was because i feel like if people like me not everyone's comfortable telling their story i am so i should take a lead in helping people understand this part of the reason i did it is because it was actually done somewhat separately it was just published in the guardian i did it with a journalist called jenny Kleeman, who i intimately trusted after talking to her a lot because she wanted to tell a, a real story a story of just what it is not a culture war debate, nothing like that, just a story. And that was important to me. And I think from a PR point of view, to anyone who is involved in the media, whether that's passing messages to the media or is a journalist, you know, albeit in games, I've done this sort of job. What I would say is just treat us like normal people. That's it. That's all I am. And, And again, from a creative point of view, I think there's this frenzy that there's like, oh, Trans people, LGBTQ people want to be sent in front of. No one's saying that. Honestly, I'd love it if games just made boring NPCs that you meet for like 10 minutes in a pub in the game and they happen to be trans or gay or or bisexual or pansexual. Because, you know, that's the point. We, yeah. We're kind of everywhere. We're just people. Yeah. Like yeah. We're just like you and me and everyone else, like people of different races and cultures and upbringings and different loves and hates. That, that's all I am. I'm just one of billions of people. And, and yeah. I like that. If we were all the same, life would just be so dull. And the last thing I'd like to say on this, like, well, maybe it's not the last, but one thing I would like to say, if I may, is that like one of the things that really frustrates me about this debate, especially as the way it's going on in British mainstream press, and I know America has issues with this as well, is there's this whole debate about the body, the body, the body. Now, one of the things that I struggled with throughout my life, and that sometimes maybe it's just me, but sometimes it frustrates me that I feel like other people can't see this is as human beings, we are made up of a body and a mind. And some people may say it's 50-50 to me. And I don't know about to you or to the watchers, the viewers, but like to me, the mind is way more important than the body. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have someone 
who's disabled and you know it's not about the disability it's about their mind it's about who they are as a person what they stand for what they love what they dislike and i feel like it's the same with me like the culture is trying to reduce people like me to my body but you know it's actually my mind is the most important thing i mean set aside the whole like transition process and how that changes your body to the way it should have been if testosterone in my case hadn't been doing what it was doing if you'd had the correct puberty i mean that's all been course corrected but let's even just for argument's sake set that aside I like to believe that my mind is the most important thing. And what I mean by that is I'd like to think I would be judged on my mind. You know, if I go and have a terrible car accident tomorrow, I'd like to think people would still treat me the same because I'm still me. (laughs) If you don't like me, I've always said this. If you don't like me because you just don't like me, that's cool. That's (laughs) absolutely, no one likes everyone. If you just think I'm not your cup of tea, that's fine. But to hate me just because of my backstory or no, because of yeah. how I was born, it, it, I struggle to understand it's, it. Yeah. I mean, I've often been accused of pretty much liking everybody, but I can even with that say that I do really, really like you, Sophie. I think you're absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And um, also, this is a message. Go through the appropriate channels, people in the industry, but this is a message that um, I would absolutely love to encounter a Sophia Aubrey Drake NPC in uh, Mass Effect at some point. Um, at yeah, some point. Mass Effect. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to walk in and be like, Sophia, armed oh <laughs> like, to the nights. Do you know what I mean? Just like not doing it. It'd be amazing. But obviously, that's you do that appropriately. Like write to Sophia. You know, she owns the IP in and of herself. Like make sure. Um, before before we've. Thank you so much. This has been honestly oh, no, absolutely you. extraordinary. And I speak to my wife about this actually as well. Like I would never claim to like be 100% educated on these things. I think it's really important to always be educating yourself on, on these agree. issues and these things and to be, and to keep an open mind, like as, as a cis individual myself, I just want to better understand it. And like, you know, just sort of know that we can kind of, you know, it's all about like just being able to normally and regularly like cohabitate with like fellow people human beings that's what it's all about you know and that and and that applies to me as well in terms of i i don't understand what it's like for other people to grow up through racial discrimination for example grow you know i i need to continue educating myself on other issues i think we we all should be doing that i think that's important for sure I actually read the, I was actually out for dinner with a friend of mine who, who works at The Guardian. He's only just started working at The Guardian, so he wasn't there when the article came out. But I, I mentioned that I was um, uh, doing a podcast with you and he was like, yeah, like that's still like, that's still every every now and again, it's like referred to as like a really great long read in The Guardian. So, oh, I mean, good. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. He was like, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I'm trying to think who wrote it and stuff. And I was like, Let's yeah, yeah. That. We w- definitely will be. Definitely yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm more than happy. That's why I did it, to share it with everyone. Like I said, I was very happy with how it turned out. I was, you know, it was amazing working with Jenny Kleeman. She did a great job. And there is other voices in that interview as well that yeah. sort of show that, you know, mine isn't like a rule book. It, it's about what works for the individual. Absolutely. Before we finish this absolutely stellar episode, you're coming to us from Japan, Kyoto, I believe. Yes. Kyoto, Japan. Yes. How long are you out there for? What does the future hold for Sophia? What are you up to at the moment? Just like give us a bit of a rundown so that we can kind of let our listeners know what you're working on at the minute and link a few things before before we let you get on. So I'm obviously still head of the big indie pitch. You know, if any indie developers are coming, I haven't been at some of the recent shows because I've been here and COVID and blah, 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 you know, <laughs> but I'm still here. I'm still running it in the background. My very, very close friend of both myself and Jackie, Patty, has been uh, sort of lovely managing, 
yeah, she's been helping keep me updated on what goes down on the ground, but I do everything else. So you've got the big into pitch. I'm uh, one of Transfuser's mentors this year again. So I'll be helping the new course of UK indie talent. So that's really exciting as well. Obviously, I'm still scouting for games. So, you know, if anyone's got a cool indie game, send it my way. And I'm <laughs> finishing off my Japanese studies as well. So I'll be here in Japan. Well, you know, I like to say, I'm open to everything and, you know, my course runs at the most up until next year, you know, but there's a level of flexibility in all areas in life. And I think one of the things is I used to live quite a rigid life in my head, like here's the plan, here's the thing. And now I'm trying to adapt the idea that let's just see where the river takes me. You know, if someone's got a cool offer, I'm open to listen, you know never close a door fully my mum always says you live in a barn because you know my mum's house mum and dad's house is a barn and but uh, <laughs> they always say you live in a barn because the doors are always open but I actually think there's a good policy for life leave the doors open don't ever close them and I'm here to kind of listen to anything it's quite exciting actually the idea of like who knows what comes next let's see absolutely yeah, brilliant Oh, amazing, man. I'm, I'm just a final thing as well. My wife's going to be so chuffed because I keep hearing the, the sort of the, the Welsh lilt in your voice. And I think I, I might be right <laughs> yeah. in saying that this might be the first Welsh person we've had Yay, on the podcast. I think I'm right in saying that. I don't know. I'd have to go back and fact check that. But I she's going to be She's been buzzing. She's South Wales. She's South Walesian. So have you I'm got from a. The um, North. I've even got my little dragon that I brought with uh, me. Look at this, viewers. You'll see the dragon that Sophia's holding up. This is absolutely I'm very, very proud Welsh. Yeah, North Whalian. So I'm from, yeah, from St. Asaph. Not far from Wrexham, if anyone's been following. Well, I was uh, going to say, Reynolds you following Mac the whole Wrexham story because that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It. it's done a lot of work for North Wales. That has, uh, you know, <laughs> very grateful I, to both of them. <laughs> I could talk about this is an entirely new podcast. I think Jackie and I might have to do a Wrexham podcast at some point because oh I am absolutely obsessed. And so the other thing is, <laughs> I love the fact that they just they 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 genuinely do seem to really love it. They're not yeah. just doing it for a publicity stunt like that. Ryan Reynolds is moving there. He's yeah. buying a house there. It's Brilliant. extraordinary. It's amazing. But, but we could go on and on because I could yeah, go Wrexham crazy. Going off on a tangent, <laughs> <laughs> Sophia. Honestly, from the bottom of both mine and Jackie's heart, thank you so, so much for, for coming on the podcast. It's really been such a pleasure oh, to hear you. your story and um, to hear you talk so openly about your experiences. And And we'd love to have you back on in the future yeah, as well, well, maybe once you're back definitely. to Japan. That would yeah. be amazing. Thank you so, so much. few T's and C's quickly, listeners, as we always do. We will absolutely, I'm going to start actually, unusually, with our brilliant guest, Sophia. We're going to link that Guardian article and we'll also link all of those Wonderful things as Fears just listed, um, you know, transfuser, mentorship, her work with Steel Media, her work with a big indie pitch. And if you are an indie game developer, obviously I'm sure Sophia, you know, she means what she says, like just get in you touch. You know her by now, to be yeah. honest. If you sure. don't, get yeah. to know her. <laughs> if you're an indie game developer and you don't know who Sophia Aubrey Drake is, then maybe like stop developing indie games because no, I'm obviously joking. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Don't clip that. I'm gonna take that out. Um, but uh, we we will be uh, we'll be linking all of those things in the episode description. But if you're interested in the rest is PR and what we're doing here on the podcast, and we certainly hope you are, then you can email us if you want to be on the podcast or if you want to suggest a topic for us to discuss info at the rest is and you can head over to our website the rest is you can also email info at demozo.com we'll pick up on that as well and if you want to check out what demozo are up to lots of exciting things then um provided jackie's not asleep when things are going on uh, <laughs> she hates me now she's good words are gonna be had now post this recording then you can go to demozo.com you can also get in touch with jackie and myself i might even be asleep as well to be honest so you know i'm not a saint you can get in touch with us on linkedin myself lara fulton or jackie jackie vores and you can also follow us at the rest is pr on twitter capital t capital r capital i capital pr jackie 
same time next week we've got another yeah. guest next week like yeah. it's just like you know we're, so we lovely. are it's so uh, enjoying it it's just uh, i'm loving it it's been absolutely brilliant and thank you so so much to the guests who've been there coming on the podcast obviously most recently my dad thanks dad uh, for coming on the podcast uh, but thank you so much listeners for joining us for the latest episode of the rest is pr and we will see you next week for another exciting installment but for the time being from sophia from jackie and from myself it's bye for now